here on the southwest side of Masson. <laughs> we are uh, getting into the Black Swarm podcast brought to you by Pedialyte and Metric Size Up. Uh, we're going to need that on Friday. You know, we're going to some Papa John's with it. Maybe, you know, some first downs and touchdowns. And uh, we're going to head down to BW3s. You're going to let me know exactly what kind of wing sauce you're having tonight. There you go. Shut up and sit down. And welcome to the week seven edition of the Wax Warm Podcast. I'm Rob Antonell. I'm here with the co-host Hank Piper, hey, and hey. Uh, we have our special guest, wide receiver coach Kale Miller, with us tonight. Uh, how's it going, guys? Going well. Oh, it's going great. Good. Good. Uh, so we're going to go into a few different things. Uh, we're going to recap the Austintown Fitch game. Uh, we're going to look forward to this East St. Louis game. Uh, we have a few other things going on. We're, we're going to get into our housekeeping at the beginning. And we got a, a fun little questionnaire here at the end for Coach Miller. So you definitely want to stay around for that. Uh, but like I said, I guess we'll start off with the housekeeping, right? Yep. All right. So uh, just a few things. Uh, it's pretty much the same thing we say every week, uh, but they're important things. Uh, you know, make sure you head out to the Booster Club meetings every Monday night at the high school. You know, they're really informative. You get to interact with the coach and some of the players, uh, see some film. You can learn more about the different teams, uh, more in depth than what we talk about on here. Uh, you can also learn about the different events that we have going on. Uh, so a few things to go along with that. You know, they're still selling tickets for the bus ride to the Louisville game week nine. Uh, so contact, you know, one of us, a business club member, or downtown at Keller's Office Furniture if you're interested in a ticket. I know one sold out. I think they're trying to get a second bus right now. And, you know, parking's going to be a nightmare, so that's definitely something you want to look into if you don't have a plan already. Yeah, parking is, you know, not there whatsoever over Louisville. So uh, definitely look into getting that bus ticket. It's like 20 or $25 uh, just for the bus ride there and back. They drop you off at the gate, pick you up at the gate. You know, definitely worth the money. Uh, so a few other things. They are collecting cans for the food drive against McKinley. Already you can bring it to the Booster Club meeting uh, if you want to drop off uh, the cans. They're also just collecting money for that as well. Uh, $1 equals 7 pounds of food. So, you know, I mean, a dollar is easier to donate than a can of SpaghettiOs at the gate. So, you know, if you see if you happen to see somebody there, just go ahead and throw them a dollar or two. It, it's all going towards a good cause. Yeah, definitely. Uh, so one other thing, uh, make sure you clip out your Booster Bonanza coupons in the newspaper every Friday. They come in the independent and the repository. Clip them out, bring them to the game with you. Uh, Mass ones won, I, what did I say, five years in a row. We're looking yep. to win it for the sixth year in a row. Uh, you know, it definitely helps the team, helps the school system. Uh, so it's really simple. Just clip it out, bring it with you to the game. Uh, I think we, we're still in the lead so far, but I heard that we're only at about half of what we were last year. So, you know, definitely clip them out, bring them with you to the game. Um, you know, besides that, uh, I don't know if you plan on getting into this at all, but I think Jameer's down to like 90 yards or so, something like that. It's something like that. He's, you know, if we keep going like we're going, he's going to break the record for most career rushing yards and at Maslin uh, against East St. Louis. You know, I I think we'll make more of a thing of it at the end of the game rather than in the middle, which is, I'd like that, but, you know. Uh, 
other things. We've had a few listener questions come in already. Uh, you can contact us on at Black Swarm Pod on Twitter or the Black Swarm Podcast on Facebook or the Black Swarm Podcast at gmail.com. If you have any questions, concerns, anything you want to send us, we could talk about on here. Uh, I mean, we'll can't really get into any of them this week because you know we got a guest here that i'm sure he has enough to say as it is uh and one other thing just shout out to the uh tiger moms and everybody else that donated to uh akron firestone that you know they they saw during the jv game that some of them didn't have cleats some of them were taped up and stuff and so they all they started a little fundraiser uh go fund me i think i think so yeah that uh, you know, raised some money, got their team a bunch of new cleats, and just we wanted to acknowledge that here and just give them a shout out. Yeah, I mean, it, it got some publicity on social media. I think it was in the news as well. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, so, I mean, it's just great to see uh, you know people giving back, especially uh, when that wasn't expected. You know, I'm, I'm sure they didn't expect us to do anything like that. So it's great that we noticed and we did something about it. Yeah, because you know we had that game the next day the jv game they showed up they had 14 guys and we started a running clock in the second quarter even though you're not supposed to start that till you know the third yeah we started one and then they had a couple guys get hurt and then we stopped the game with like six minutes to go i mean it was it was rough those kids play hard every game they have you know some years are better than others obviously you know not this year for them but that was really cool to see all that happen um i didn't know any of it happened until i think i opened up facebook and saw all that yeah that's where i saw it too it's yeah. like wednesday night i saw it, you know it, it, it's nice to see mm-hmm. yeah definitely um so i mean I, I don't really have too much else on the housekeeping list just try to keep it short this week you know it's, it's pretty repetitive but important yeah. Uh, so you just want to jump into a, a Fitch recap? Uh, I, I, I think before that, we might as well uh, get into our special guest here a little bit. Well, I you mean, should have told me the itinerary. I forgot. Well, you know, I, we've been waiting for really a good game to have somebody on, and East St. Louis is actually you know looking like it's going to be a great game. Uh, just as a side note, you guys should really come to that from like what the film I've seen on them. They, they play on what looks like practice squad fields around here uh, they're not used to seeing a big crowd so I, I think that'd be really cool for them and honestly an advantage for us if we have a big turnout and you know they can see what Friday night lights in Ohio are really all about mm-hmm. so uh, uh, to our special guest here Kale Miller wide receivers coach at Maslin uh, just a quick recap of your coaching career um Played four years in high school, Columbiana High School, mm-hmm. uh, which I think they're now Division Six. Um, left there, was planning on um, going to be a walk-on. I talked to the coaching staff at Kent State to play baseball. And the um, funny thing is I hated baseball. But I went there, and leading up to it, started coaching. Uh, my head coach asked me to volunteer. And it was volunteer varsity assistant in small school, so you also helped out with like junior high. And so I did that all summer leading into my first year of college. Well, by the time I got to Kent, I um, I decided like I don't really want to pursue this baseball thing. I really love coaching football. And so I coached my four years at Kent State. 
I lived about 45 minutes away from my hometown, and I'd drive back to practice. And uh, so I did that, coached for four years, had some really good teams, small ball, you know, small school, mm. football. Had some really good teams, and then by my last semester of my uh, senior year and went to a job fair, got hooked up interviewing at Avon, who we scrimmage now. Um, got a job there before I ever graduated, and went there and coached uh, freshman my first year, and then into varsity my second year with Mike Elder, who's still there. You know that was his second year at the uh, at Avon High School, and then I met my wife. She lived in Portage Lakes and uh, owned a home there, and so I wasn't going to ask her to move because I was trying to be a nice guy and you know all other stuff. And we want to start a family and everything. So I applied everywhere down here. Um, one thing that was to my advantage is Mike Elder's first head coaching gig was at Indian Valley with Bo Balderson and Jason Hall were his assistants. And uh, so I actually interviewed at Perry. I was going to interview at Jackson. I had gotten a job offer from uh, Akron City Schools. And then all of a sudden this popped up. And I interviewed at Perry, and Mike Elder called me, and Jason Hall said, you tell him I wouldn't send my worst enemy to Perry. <laughs> tell him to send his stuff in. He didn't know I had already done it, and I was already getting an interview set up. Um, so it was nice to have that connection, mm -hmm. even though I already had kind of a back door in before he ever knew about it. So he didn't really hook me up, but it was nice that, you know, our head coaches knew each other and I got hired there before I ever left Avon. Uh, I coached my first four years here at Maslin were freshmen. And you started in 2010. Yes. Okay. Yes. Yeah. That was the, uh, that was the year where my first game at Maslin, I think I was charting plays being a freshman coach. Yep. We lost to Akron Bookdoll. Yeah. Home that, opener. That was uh, my sophomore year, my first game, you know, on varsity, yep. and we got to run to BW3s the next day. Yes. Yeah. Yes, cool. I remember that. So. <laughs> and um, so I, I did four years freshman, and then once Jeff Huffman retired, mm -hmm. um, they pulled me up for Jason's last year <laughs> before he was fired. Yeah. And um, they pulled me up, him and uh, Bedre. Coach mm -hmm. Bartowell pulled me up, and I coached wide receivers with Mike Sombrio. And then the Perrysburg uh, debacle happened. You know, Jason gets fired, and then Coach Moore retained me to coach wide receivers and been there, you know, still doing my thing there. So not what, you know, we would traditionally call a Masson guy, but, I mean, no. eight years, you've been here long enough. I think you're an adopted Masson guy at this point. I, some people have said that, but, you know, and I appreciate it. You know, at the end of the day, it's still not the same as, you know, yeah. playing for the Tigers and graduating for the Tigers. It's not the same. There's nothing mm -hmm. like it. So you got here in 2010. What mm -hmm. was your – did you know much about us or, you know, what was your first, like, oh, these guys are psychopaths type moment? I knew that when I was in college because – um, I met three Maslin guys at Kent State and ended up living with them uh, the last two or three years at Kent State. So I went to my first Maslin-McKinley game in 2004, which is Rick Sheppis' last mm -hmm. game. Yeah. And McKinley ended up winning. 
Mm -hmm. It was one of those four and six years. Yeah. So that was my first game. Um, And it was funny. You know, my entire family is from Steubenville. Steubenville Big Red. Mm -hmm. And so I always talked about, hey, hey, when's that game going to get scheduled? Because my family talks all kinds of crap about it. You know, when are we going to schedule? And then it finally happened the year before I got there. And um, so I already knew a lot about Maslin. Um, ever since then, I get pictures sent to me and newspaper clippings of any time Big Red has beaten Maslin, like the six times that it's happened. Every yeah. single year, it doesn't matter. My uncle still sends me uh, copies of pictures of Big Red winning because that's a deep, deep-rooted hate. Mm-hmm. So I also went to the 2005 game at Foss at nine and oh nine and oh where we got where we got beat mm, yeah where it was like twenty five thousand there mm-hmm. and then f- went to all the playoff games and watched Masson turn it around we ended up beating them so mm-hmm. I mean I I had a good idea yeah. and it's funny the way things worked out because my wife's best friend um, is Jamie Palma's wife before I ever knew my wife and he, he, uh, he had a he coached at Masson for a, a while uh, like 13 years yeah, he had a great coaching career and now mm-hmm. he's the uh, head of the career and tech department now it's something like that now yeah. he's at central office but so I yeah I kind of was already involved without ever being involved so you knew what you were getting into before yeah, you got I couldn't to, I couldn't wait yeah I couldn't wait that's what I like to hear. Yeah. All right. Uh, if, you know, we always like to talk about on this podcast, any chance I get, I like to bring it up about just how much this current coaching staff, this regime, you know, how much they impress me. Uh, can you speak to, like, anything they do different or what you like about this compared to what you've been under before, either as a player or a coach? Um, I've never been around a more, I guess, intense or focused group of coaches than this year. And I mean top to bottom. They, um, you know, first off, our entire defensive staff are mm-hmm. nothing but former Tigers. You know what I mean? And that in, in, is, in and of itself is crazy intense. And our kids eat that up. You know, our kids love it. Um, you know, the attention to detail and the attention to accountability, I feel like, is a real strong suit with everyone involved. Um, you know, every, every detail is covered. There's no wasted time, you know what I mean. Where I've felt in the past, you know, not you know, not just people on staff at Masson, but even other places, you know, some guys waste time. And the one guy I learned that from prior to ever coming to Masson was Mike Elder that you don't waste time. And you see what he's done at Avon with those teams that have been really mm-hmm. successful every single year, and they churn good teams out, good players out. And uh, he's a no-wasted-time kind of person. And it, it, it seems like everyone on staff isn't into wasting any time. Just be efficient. Be intense. Focus on doing your job. You know, we always preach to kids, do your job. Do your job. Focus on your job. But we do the same with ourselves. Focus on your job. You have to be locked in every single day. And, um, you know, that's a big difference with this staff compared to any other staff I've ever been on, top to bottom. It is intense. Every play, it might as well be the Super Bowl, the way that you have to coach it. You know what I mean? And if there's no other way to do it because if, if you're not coaching it like it's a Super Bowl, then what are you doing? You know what I mean? Everything has to be important. 
So I think that that's a huge difference, and our kids, I feel, feel that, that on Friday nights, it, it might be a little less intense. You know what I mean? Because all week, it's nonstop. We don't have a walkthrough day. I don't know, you probably want to ask me that later, you know, about practice or whatever, mm-hmm. but we don't have walkthrough days. We don't have a Monday walkthrough. It's full go. And so I think that that's the mentality that we have every single day, and I really I, I love coaching with this staff. I love it. Mm-hmm. I absolutely love it. Yeah, I mean, you can definitely kind of sense a different mindset now, you know, with, with the team, with the players, the coaches, uh, than what, I, what I've kind of seen in the past. And, you know, I've heard you say this before, that – all week long, you throw as much as you can at the kids. So when Friday comes, you know they're already ready. You know mm-hmm. nothing's going to surprise them. They're they're ready for what it is. You know, it might be the easiest day of the week for them. You know, hopefully, that's I think that's the goal. You know that you throw, especially when it comes to what our offensive line and our offensive line coaches have to deal with mm-hmm. on Friday night. They have to prep for what you see on film. You know, because that's all you see. But, you know, it's an intense practice. Even their review sessions where, okay, we're doing special teams. Well, if you're not on this special teams, you're with Coach Mazer, Coach Ticker, Coach Weber. Run review. I mean, it's go right now. It's intense. We have guys flying around everywhere. And um, that's the way that you have to be. That Guess what? If, if something comes up, which it comes up every single Friday, because we always see a different front yeah for i mean i think it's credit to credit to those guys who coach it and the kids who play it in our mm -hmm. backfield we always see a different front that they're prepared enough that they can adjust to that you know what i mean and that we're throwing everything at you and we'll throw different coverages but it's you know with the wide receivers but it, it ends up being a team has done so much to mess with our run game that they're forced to play only a couple coverages in the back end because it's so much they do up front so yeah i mean it it, the goal is make it fast uh make it as intense as you can during the week and that you know stuff's gonna happen in a game well guess what we're gonna put you in in situations where you face some adversity at practice all the time we have blitz pickup and guess what it's stuff that they may not see on friday (laughs) Because yeah. you have to be prepared, so I mean, I, I like it from that standpoint. Yeah, that uh, I mean, that's awesome, and we love to hear it. And like you, I think it was you said at the uh, Booster Club meeting, it was either week two or three that you know teams come at us with something different than they've ever run, and mm-hmm. we had a lengthy discussion about that. So you, you can always go back and listen to that conversation, mm-hmm. uh, and it's just great to hear how we can prepare for that kind of stuff. Um, just from a lineman's perspective that, you know, I don't know much about specific receiver techniques and stuff like that, that um, from last year to this year, it seems like overall we've really improved. So uh, do you have anything, any comments on that? Or Rob, if you have anything to add? I mean, it, obviously we're doing, we're doing well. Uh, I mean, we do have a pretty good group of players that you're coaching, you know, not just with the receivers, but you have a pretty good quarterback thrown to them as well. Um, so from this year compared to last, what kind of growth have you seen in the players besides just being one year older? Well, you know, besides that, I mean, that does factor in a lot, you know, um, I would say, you know, we have 
voluntary throwing sessions and skill sessions that you know now this is technically my it's like fourth year with coach Moore I was in year before coach Moore was here um ever since coach Moore got here and coach Hunick the guy at Bria Mid Park started it you know the 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 6 a.m throwing sessions or just a small group development sessions uh, where you're only allowed to have a certain amount of kids this year we've done it the last three and it's really paying dividends now this year we had 27 of those from january until um until may at 27 scheduled times where these kids could come in sometimes it would be at different times because the amount of kids your amount of kids that you're allowed to have um we've we had guys that were at all 27 and i think the 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 model for that and the guy that they watched do it for three years was austin kutcher and the kind of year that he had or nobody going into it after we lost Jasinski was. Th- I remember after we lost Jus- Austin Jasinski, if I could say his name right, I had two or three people in the offseason. Well, you know, we're going to have a good sophomore quarterback. I just don't know who we're going to throw it to. I'm like, hmm, all right, well, it, that's fine. And I would tell that to those guys, tell mm-hmm. it to like Kutcher. Um, he was the standard for what we do in the offseason um, when it came to route development. We, we we try to run per we talk about perfect routes all the time. We, we you know we talk about our first step. We talk about our stance, and then I put them through a I like to call I mean it's like 15, 20 minutes before we throw a grueling workout. Whether it's band squats, whether it's working on grips with the weights, um, whether it's just explosion. I'll toss medicine balls up off the wall, and we're acting like rebounders trying to high point a ball, but it's twenty minutes nonstop. And we do the exercise for, we try to say the old Urban Meyer thing, four to six seconds, point A to point B in four mm-hmm. to six seconds. Like we as, talk about as long as a regular play would last. As long as a regular play would last. And it is intense. And I try to try to brutalize those guys. And uh, Austin was one of those guys that led the way when we started doing it. I felt like I turned a corner when he was going into his junior season with that. And then more and more guys would come more and more guys would come mm-hmm. and then it ended up just being a thing like they're calling each other out hey you can't miss you know what i mean even though it's voluntary that's on them i, I you know i can't tell them in the off season hey you have to come here no it's not the way that it works you know that's why we have lifting days um those guys would beg if we had to cancel because we would have to cancel if we knew snow was coming early in the morning like we we don't even mess with that mm-hmm. I'd have 15 messages from kids pissed off. Like, what are you? Oh, we'll make it there. We're fine. We're like, no, we can't. You know what I mean? We got to be safe. Got to be smart. But um, the development of kids like an Adric Ford, mm-hmm. you know, that that pops out in everybody's mind. That pops out. Yeah. Uh, you look at a kid like Trayvon Morgan compared to last year and the commitment that he made, you know, in the offseason to do that stuff. And some of that stuff ends up being on their own. You know what I mean? Hey, we want to come work out. Okay, come work out. You know what I mean? And when those throwing sessions happen, you're not allowed to coach. You know, once it gets too many guys, you have to stand on the side. Those kids run it. It's like open gym at basketball. But 
they know they want to run specific stuff and they want to do one-on-ones they want to do this route you know today and i felt like you know this year even more you know we had more guys bought in and it helps that when those guys are skilled in the first place and um that's when you end up being having a a better unit you know more cohesive unit and unselfish unit Mm -hmm. even though as a wide receiver coach you want some of your guys to be selfish you want them to want the ball um i felt that that was a commitment that they made in january on and i was really really pleased with that this offseason probably better than any offseason that we've had does that answer your question yeah, definitely. Okay. Yeah, I mean, uh, I think we touched on it once that uh, last year I thought, like, Kutcher, he was the most complete receiver we've had in a while. I think the only thing he really lacked was, the like, the downfield-type burner speed, that, and that, that was the difference between him being a walk-on at Ohio State and him being a, a scholarship player there. Mm-hmm. And it's, it's, it's cool to hear him now that he still has an impact on the program by setting yep. the tone in the off-season workouts. Yep. And what you said about Adrian Ford, uh, that was another thing I wanted to get into. You know, he went down on Friday, and we wish him, you know, the best of luck with however long it takes for him to get back. Um, what was the – how hard is it to replace a guy like him, you know, that he he seemed to take a big step from last year to this year. He was putting up big numbers. And, you know, we like to say our team's really talented, but I, – I can't believe we have another Adric sitting on the bench. So it's not you can't just go like you know straight up next man up mentality mm-hmm. to where like so what's our you know how do you replace someone like him? I'll let you know in four weeks after I see the production. You know what I mean, mm-hmm. and see how we have planned. You know because you always have to have plans for that and see what kind of depth that we have. Now I will say this: it's out of any wide receiver, it's going to be really hard to find a guy to run the routes the way that he does mm-hmm. because he's one of my best route runners. You know, very, very slick, um, knew, knew how to use leverage on people, um, knew how to get by, you know, and then had that top-end speed that was very deceptive. That, um, yeah, I mean, it, anytime you lose technically your leading receiver, which he, which he, I think he still is, he had like eight touchdowns and only 400 yards receiving through four games, something yeah. like that, 388. Close to that, yeah. I think. Um, you know, yeah, obviously that's that's tough to do. But, you know, just like in the game on Friday, that happened. Well, hey, guess what? We're still on offense. We got to go. Mm-hmm. You know, he, let's roll this out and then go from there. And the other thing I look at because I think this really benefited Adric as well, is a development in practice. We practiced for 14 weeks last year. And the development in practice, I think, this year has been even better. The way that we practice, the way that we do things, the way that we rotate guys in at all positions, not just the wide receiver position. But um, that's why I said, you know, I'll, I'll talk to you in four weeks. Yeah. You know, and, and – you know, game plans could change, mm-hmm. you know, things of that nature, but um, always difficult to replace your leading receiver, always, for any mm-hmm. team. Um, you know, we're going to see how this plays out, see how we practice, and um, go from there. All right. I guess, uh, you know, springboarding off of that, uh, 
what you, overall, you know, usually we talk more about the Fitch game, about what we saw from the stands, but mm-hmm. you're definitely the most qualified person in the room to talk about this. You know, what do you think? It, you know, a late breakdown, anything stood out to you? Um, they came out, and I didn't think they were going to do it. But, you know, they had shown it on film, so we were prepped for it, but they came out and cover one. Yeah. Um, you know, because that's the first thing that I look at. You know, I, I, I'm looking at the perimeter. Mm-hmm. You know, that's where my eyes have to go. Um, and I was like, okay, they're in cover one. They're going to stay in cover one. They stayed. I was like, oh, here we go. So it was more cover one than cover three? Oh, yeah. And, and even their cover three, mm-hmm. um, for a while they were called it three match, where yep. they would open, look at the quarterback, but if you got to like 10 yards, they just match you and man you. Mm-hmm. And okay. the difference for our listeners, cover one, you you have a single high safety, all man coverage underneath. You know, mm-hmm. you got your man, you got your man. Uh, cover three, it's a zone coverage, but also what we've talked about before, like he said, with three match, it's pattern match coverage, which after a set amount of yards, mm-hmm. it basically turns into man. Mm-hmm. So just so, you know, you guys at home that don't necessarily know this stuff can follow along. Yeah, I think that one of, their, one of our touchdowns um, – their corner played three match, mm-hmm. and their overhang just played cover one, and so their corner for I don't know, I don't know what he was doing, but he opened up and Jaden ran a post behind him, mm-hmm. and Trey ran that wheel route and we threw the post because he just smoked them, and um, and we thought that that was a concept that would that would give them problems, you know that post fade concept whether mm-hmm. we were just out of a straight twins which is what we scored on, yeah, or whether we were in a like two by one formation. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, they came out in that and we took advantage of it and they came out up front and I I don't know why I ever get shocked by it, by guys bringing the house, cutting our linemen to stop our run game. I, you know, Fitch is a tough program with tough Mm -hmm. kids. They're always undersized, but I, I, you know, it's a couple years in a row where they're okay. Hey, you're just going to cut the guard. Just cut Mm -hmm. the guard. Okay, and cutting the guard. You want to explain that for people? Yeah, that it means know? that defensive linemen, instead of, <laughs> I'm not gonna say it. Instead of getting hands instead on, instead of the getting chest hands on, shooting your gap, whatever their scheme may be, that they dive down at our linemen's ankles and mm-hmm. cut them so they can't move. Or you know, you want to cut this guy if you see him pulling. Yeah, you know what I mean. So to create a pile in the hole, maybe make you know our running back bounce. Um, and bringing guys, mm-hmm. spring guys, causing a lot of chaos, and you know, doing all of that junk, you know, it's called junk. Doing all of that junk restricts them in the secondary to only play one or two coverages, and I think that's been consistent with any teams that we play um, because they're doing so much in the box with their linebackers, the defensive linemen, that they want to keep it simple in the back end. Mm-hmm. And so their plan, keep it simple in the back end. Let's just play cover one. Let's not even mess around with it. And let's stop the let's stop the running back and not let them beat us with, with their offensive line their and their running game. And, you know, let's just let's just match up across the board with their wide receivers. And so we 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 exploited that. Yeah. You know. Um our defense I thought was solid the entire game. I think they had I think they had a long pass play. That was they ran all. I remember watching it. Mm-hmm. That's how I can recall it. I don't watch a lot of defensive clips, 
but they ran all hitches. All four receivers ran hitches. While the quarterback scrambled out, we had everything covered, and that kid leaked behind our guys when he was initially covered. You know what I mean? Yeah. And he caught that for a big gain. Um, I think we chased him down, and then you know a team like Fitch, it, it's tough to keep them out of the end zone when they're on the two-yard line. Yeah, it's tough to keep any team out of the end zone. Absolutely. Um, but I think our defense ended up really helping out our offense because they hit them, hit them, hit them, made them drive the ball. Mm-hmm. And, you know, you, you saw come fourth quarter, well, those running lanes were opening up. Yeah. You know, those running lanes were opening up. It's not necessarily the scheme that we changed running the ball, which there are a couple tweaks that really helped out mm-hmm. from what I understand. It was more of, you know, we, we have we practice – with physicality, and we do that a lot. And at, at, by, at, by the end of the night, you want to make that a four-quarter game, that's fine, but we're still going to be hitting you as hard as we were in the first quarter, and I think that played a factor in it, and some of their players gave up, and, and to we your, started Yeah, to your point off. about a four-quarter game and our mm-hmm. defense playing well, do you know the yards and points disparity in the fourth quarter? I thought I heard that on your previous podcast, but I, I can't remember. This game specifically, we scored 21 points in the fourth mm-hmm. to their zero. We outgained them 130-something yards to five. Mm-hmm. That's yeah. winning football right there. That's closing out a game. Yes. And yes. Like, back to what you said earlier, that's just the whole mentality of the entire program, that we're going to drive you into the dirt and, you know, just – it has to be the mentality, you know. That's the, mm-hmm. that's what that's the that's why you coach hard. That's why you know you worry about those little things. One other thing, real quick, before we wrap up the Fitch game, um, they came out and ran like a super wide bunch trips, putting three guys, you know, at the bottom of the numbers into the boundary. Uh, I again, I don't know much about receiving and whatnot, but I know a big thing with trips is you have you give your guys a three way go, and you don't know who's going where. When you put guys into the boundary like that, you're kind of taking away the out, and you can only go either vertical or in. So what were they trying to do with that? Was that something they showed before? Just get into it. Yeah, that was definitely something that they'd showed before. Um, you know, in practice, my job with the DBs before we go to, like, a team session is I go, mm-hmm. I go through the cards with our scout team wide receivers, and that was definitely on the card a lot. Um, I from an offensive perspective, that's dumb. I, I don't, I don't understand it being that wide, except to just stress your guys out. Mm-hmm. And I thought that they would run that to try to get our overhang, try to get our Sam backer out of there, try to get our safety and corner over there, and maybe run, you know, quarterback, yeah. you know, outside zone or something. So like you're just trying to influence yeah. three defenders over there just yeah. to open up the running lane on it. Yeah, and they, I think they completed like a hitch. Yeah, doing it. I think it was it was something like one guy ran vertical, one guy uh-huh. ran in, the other guy like took a couple steps and stopped. Yep, yep. And that was exactly the the route on the card that I had our guys running. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I, I also think it's just something. Some coaches put stuff in on film. My head coach is notorious for this at, at Columbiana. We ran triple option veer. Um, we would have all of these plays on film Mm -hmm. and it was really to take away the fact take away practice time for the other team to work on stopping the triple option 
And, and that, that was his philosophy. Mm-hmm. It made sense because by the second half, every one of my games I coached, yeah. every one of the games I played, um, it was like we ran Veer at the line <laughs> for an entire second half. Mm-hmm. And uh, so I, I don't know if that was a part of it. I think they ran it like, twice. They ran it a couple it times. A couple they didn't times, go to it much yeah. in the second half. Maybe yeah. once, it, if at all. I don't know. I mean, it, it's just so odd to me yeah. to do that. And I guess when you're not a good passing team, like mm-hmm. they're, you know, not a good passing team, yeah. in my opinion. Yeah, that, the old saying, you know, when you got two quarterbacks, you have none. Yeah, I mean, you you find ways to stress your, mm-hmm. stress the defense, maybe get the quarterback a cleaner pocket, mm-hmm. you know, things of that nature, but... I know that our guys had seen that and we prepared for it. Yeah, it, they look. It didn't really catch them off guard at all. Mm-hmm. I mean, I thought initially when you had one guy out there and really nobody else kind of leaking out that way, it, it caught us off guard. But the way we shut it down, it, it mm-hmm. looked good to me. Like, yeah. you know, uh, I know Rob, you had one other question you want to ask about Fitch, or uh, it wasn't specific about Fitch. I, I was going to get into the how they lined up a little bit more, but that's all right. Uh, it got answered pretty well. Uh, the one thing that I was going to ask, we, we discussed different coverages. You, you said, you know, the way the teams try to stop our run, and it limits them on what coverages they run. Uh, but how how much do you put on the receivers of, like, knowing what coverage they're going against each play? Is that something that they, they recognize right away? They're pretty good at it. I mean, I know, obviously, when you, you call your plays based off of it, but from a receiver standpoint, you know, how well do they know the coverage they're going against? I teach more. <clears throat> excuse me. I teach more the secondary's technique mm-hmm. than I do coverages. So it it's more of well, they're in this technique. A lot of guys will give it away. Mm-hmm. They're in this technique. If he's open, okay, they're going to be this coverage. So you know where he's trying to take away, like a cover two. Mm-hmm. How your release has to be, and what. But at the end of the day, you still have to get to your landmark. So if you get to your landmark, we have landmarks to where ideally it doesn't always happen. Mm-hmm. Okay. Mm-hmm. Um, hey, they're in they're in cover three, so you need to keep this skinnier than you would versus uh, cover four team. Mm-hmm. You know that's rep throughout the week. Um, so they know what coverages. You know we do notes <clears throat> every night of practice, at least the first three nights until Thursday. Hey, look at the coverage. Look at their in. Okay, there's we have we have a couple plays where, you know, they have to read that on the fly and then make a decision. You know, we have a couple like that. Um, we have some some patterns where, like, they have to read on the fly and adjust. Maybe you got to flatten this out mm-hmm. versus this look, or maybe, like I said before, keep it skinny versus this look away from maybe that safety um so they have to know that they have to know that going in and a lot of it is how to attack that guy in your first three to four steps is he going to be inside leverage okay because i always talk about stemming and stemming uh you know wide receiver wise stemming is like you want to square the guy up okay because you want to get him in retreat mode yeah. Okay. Because if you if I if I just stand up and walk towards you and we're just standing there, what are you gonna do? You're gonna walk backwards. Yeah. This is. Uh, I'm glad you're getting into this. Hank and I have met had 
plenty of discussions about yeah. this. Uh, you know, I try to learn more about line play from him. He tries mm-hmm. to learn a, bit, a little bit more about, you know, receiver corner mm-hmm. from mm-hmm. me. So, I mean, I'm glad you're going into this. And I mean, I, so, I'm eating this stuff up right now. I yeah, mean, so just, you know, keep going with your yeah. what you're talking about. Uh, this is, just real quick, though, uh, now, when you say technique, is that like mm-hmm. how the corners lined up, say like so many yards off, hips square, mm-hmm. hips facing in, mm-hmm. and from what I can see, like – when you see hips facing in towards the center of the formation, you're thinking zone, right? And, yeah. You and know, a lot hips, of times, yeah, hips a, a lot of times, yeah, like Glen Oak, mm-hmm. if they're in cover four, mm-hmm. their usual cover four, and they play cover three the same way, yeah. they're open, mm-hmm. looking at the quarterback, reading number two, um, you know that they're in cover four or cover three, and they're inside leverage. Now, and when you say inside leverage, that's... They are... If I'm lined up, mm-hmm. I'm looking straight at them. They are lined up inside of us towards the ball. Gotcha. Okay? Outside leverage being the opposite. Mm-hmm. You know, they're lined up outside of us, you know, maybe looking towards the ball. And that's more just taking away whatever route you want to run that way, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. Like, you know, we will... You know, we talk a lot about stemming or squaring a guy up, mm-hmm. you know, like on a slant. Because a lot of times, um, and I know it's more visual, and I apologize because we're on a podcast, but a lot of times a receiver... we've we've come into this problem a couple times. A receiver will run straight ahead. And Mm -hmm. say the guy's inside leverage. He will run straight ahead and then break his route off in front of him. Well, a corner can jump that Mm -hmm. and make a play on that. No, no. Your job on certain routes is to get your body between the DB and the quarterback. So even if he does break, has a good break, guess what? You're in between. So, you know, you're you're praying that he doesn't have a good break and guess what? We're we we might be off to the races if you're doing it right. You know, mm-hmm. we we work a lot of a lot of that stuff. Um a lot of we we stem in our vertical routes too. Because we want to get him going one way, maybe give a head fake as we go, then get to our landmark same with a post if you can get that guy spun around you know what i mean because you stem 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 head fake shoulder fake then cross his face well now you're just getting him to go around like this i think Jaden ballard you know just pops out in my mind yeah on on friday he ran like a 10 yard out you mm-hmm. call it a comeback called it out mm-hmm. um we call it a speed route mm-hmm. um he stemmed the guy up made him think vertical because he attacked him and squared him up, and then broke it off, and the guy did a 360. And that was one thing I actually did see that uh-huh. when it happened. I had, I mean, I was laughing at the kid that you can, as a corner, get spun around like that on a, just a quick out. And it's happened to, it's happened to, you know, Trayvon Morgan on some of his verticals. Mm-hmm. If you watch his release, you know, watch his release. He square a guy up, mm-hmm. boom, and then breaks it off, and then that gets that guy either frozen mm-hmm. or <clears throat> gets him to go straight backpedal, and he's not able to squeeze you out of bounds because he's not just opening and squeezing. You know, We talk a lot about that. Uh, if you're a slot receiver and say there's an outside linebacker in front of you, well, what's the one thing that linebackers cannot have happen if – you are running a route. He can't do what to you. He can't cross your face. You got to get hands on him. Mm-hmm. So what do we do? Okay, we work a lot of stem him and freeze his feet because he's thinking, okay, you're gonna cross my face. I'm gonna get hands on you. Freeze his feet, then break it. Mm-hmm. You know, we work a lot. I think we have to get better at that. 
but we've seen a lot of mayhem. Yeah. yeah, you know, we've seen a lot of man compared to years past. So it's it's more of, it's more. I like it because it's more of a one on one type of thing. Mm-hmm. You tell your guys, it's a one on one scenario, one on one scenario. You know, work it, get to your depth, okay. And and also, I think I think last podcast you kind of spoke on it about you know kind of aid and get the ball out on time, yeah, or even getting it down the field. Like you know, sometimes he doesn't. Sometimes I'm telling you right now, if you watch closely, mm-hmm. that's the receiver's fault because sometimes you stem too much. Yeah, that was my next question. Yeah, you stem too much. Um, I think he got hit on a play versus Montclair, mm-hmm. and our guy running the vertical route tried to stem too much and was in that phase too long. That the ball is, could have been out. I know exactly what you're talking about. That was our red zone That's power on a receiver. fade yep. RPO where we have a guy coming off the backside mm-hmm. on power. And, mm-hmm. I mean, to me, it looked like I – honestly, I put it on you guys that, you know, you have a guy coming off the edge and you need to see that. So, and mm-hmm. you saying that's on the receiver, him taking too long. I taking think. too long. Yeah, yeah we, and, we've, we've touched on that a couple of times. Yeah. I mean, especially, you know, we talk like – the one time particularly, you know, Trayvon runs an amazing route. Mm-hmm. At the same time, it was no the same game. It, I think it was like the red zone opportunity before yeah. that. Where and, and we can talk about stemming and we can talk about running perfect routes mm-hmm. at the end of the day. Uh, you know, sometimes you just need to stem for one or two steps and then get into it because you have to go make a play. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? At the top end mm-hmm. of your route. Um, and sometimes, yeah, we get caught doing that. I believe some of the things last year. We would have Kutcher was such a perfectionist mm-hmm. and such a read type of route runner that he could he could make you look silly. But on on the other flip side of that, sometimes he would take a little bit too long to do it. And that doesn't in your protection doesn't hold up long enough to do that. There you go. You know, like we have everything the right thing called, but hey, mm-hmm. you, you got to think about the guy throwing it and the guy running a route, and sometimes. We're wrong, absolutely. Yeah. You know what I mean? Oh, stem, stem, stem. But sometimes you just got to go. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So you know? from from the coach's aspect, you know how how do you relate that to individual players? Where somebody like Morgan compared to maybe Broyles mm-hmm. might have to run their routes differently. You know, Broyles yeah. might not have to stem as much. You know, if he can get one step on somebody, he's probably gone. Whereas Morgan, you know, he's more used to you know using his body, mm-hmm. turning away from a defense. You have to coach like each kid individually how do i get this kid compared to this kid from point a to point b at the same time Mm -hmm. um that was you know that was a beautiful thing about kutcher he could get from point a to point b you get where you wanted to go Mm -hmm. um you have to i I teach steps now i don't teach every step so if i'm walking and the ball is to my left Okay, if I'm walking off steps, I count my inside steps. So I'll step with my right, one with my left, two with my left. I count my inside steps because I don't want them to say, okay, you run a 10-step route. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten. No, you just count every other. Mm-hmm. And then we figure out, this is an off-season thing, we figure out how long it takes you to get to a certain yardage. And then we rep that, okay? Some guys' strides way longer than others. Yeah. You know, like, I'm five six. I might get my ten steps quicker than say someone like Trey, who's six six and will have a longer stride than I do. Yeah, and that's the thing. Jaden's very similar too. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, his his strides are different than others. Okay, so in your yeah. 
third inside step, you're going to break it. Okay. On your fourth inside step, you're going to break this route. But that's something that you drill and drill and drill, you know, because I mean, I don't know. I, I, that's the way that I've done it. And that's the way that seems to come across to guys because you don't want them counting too much. Mm-hmm. I hate saying, you know, even though we do say, oh, break this route off at 10 yards. Well, sometimes, what if we're on the 37 yard line? He doesn't know where the 47 yard line yeah. is. You yeah. know, you have to know within your steps how long that takes, you know, and how, you know, how many steps. That, that seems to be the simplest way that I've done it. Yeah, I, mean, I I like that idea. I mean, that's not something that you know I have ever heard before. Mm-hmm. You know, when when I played, it was you run each route had pretty much an exact depth to it. You know, yeah. you know, barring like a third down where you mm-hmm. needed to get a first, mm-hmm. it was basically you know your curl was twelve to ten or thirteen to ten, whatever it was. You know, your comeback route was fifteen to twelve, out yeah. route five. You know, everything was exact yard measurements. <laughs> uh, so I mean, I think it's pretty pretty cool that you're able to teach the kids individually to where you're counting it by the steps but at the same time they're still getting to the field where they need to get to yeah it's all about getting to your landmark getting to your depth you know sometimes we we cut it off too short sometimes we 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 cut off too late another thing that we preach and and john hunick introduced this at coach Bree mid park when he was our offensive coordinator 2015 um all of our vertical routes Peak at 10 yards. Peak at 10 yards. Peak at 10 yards. Now, that's for the quarterback. The reason that we do that, okay, you could be running. One of the things that we drill as well, you run as fast as you can. You peak at 10 yards and with somebody on you as you're doing it and not slowing down on your peak. You know, we turn and look. A lot of guys will turn and look and their feet slow down. Mm. We teach a lot of stuff to where it's the top end you're peaking and running as fast as you can like on a straight vertical route Mm -hmm. we peak at 10 yards because what if that corner completely opened and bailed well we want to throw a back shoulder to you okay that's why we do that yeah you know we've had guys in the past um they wouldn't peak to like 20 yards well then that that also doesn't help you track the ball when you peak that late you know uh that's also a big a big thing for tracking the football it's a big thing that we work on as well in your peak you don't slow down your stride and you're tracking the ball as you're fending somebody off and that's something that you drill and you drill and you drill because then that helps everything else because that, that ball is not always going to be in the same spot it mm-hmm. isn't um and and that's on purpose you want to give yourself a chance to make a play Okay, what if he hangs it? What if he what if he clears it outside over top view? Well, if you're peaking at 10 yards, you have time to adjust to it. You know, I know I, I, mean, I got in depth there, but um, that's one of the things that we also drill. I mean, like I said, I ate the stuff up, but that's enough receiver talk for my liking. I, <laughs> I got you. I'd like a little more kick step and drive block here. I got you. Um, so, I mean, that answered everything you want to know, right, Rob? I mean, yeah, I think I think we got pretty in depth with it. Yeah. Uh, well, let's uh, let's just turn it to next week. East St. Louis. Um, I mean, on film, I think they look like a solid team, really good. I know at the Booster Club uh, at the Booster Club meeting on Monday, Moore said they spent a lot of time on offense. They were very well disciplined. You know, they executed everything with great technique. 
not as much time on defense, even less time on special teams. Um, they've given up. They've put up a lot of yards, a lot of points, you know, getting averaging like 50-something points a game. I think a one game they had over 700 yards, mm-hmm. but they're giving up 24 points a game. And with an out-of-state team, again, like just like Montclair, you know, they came in looking like world beaters, but you don't know what kind of competition they're playing. So if, you know, you've seen plenty of film on them, Kale, mm-hmm. if you want to give a, you know, a preview of what we can see Friday night. You know, offensively, they're explosive. Mm-hmm. You know, they are the best offense that we'll see so far. Okay. Um, they are, they do everything. Um, they have explosive players. They have a legit quarterback. They have three division one offensive linemen. They, they have everything. Um, they run Really good stuff from what I've seen. I don't get into too much detail. Watch them. I, I watch them score a lot. Yeah. You know, um, that quarterback can run. Pretty much everyone on their team can run. Mm-hmm. Um, you know that that that's going to be a that's going to be a great test mm-hmm. on Friday. You know, you have a defense that's only giving up seven points a game, and you have an offense that's that if you watch them, you know, you're like, wow, like this stuff really sticks out on mm-hmm. film. You know. Compared to a Montclair, Montclair looked like that on film, but the competition they played wasn't very good. Mm-hmm. This East St. Louis team, they're playing some good teams. They've played some good competition. There's you, that pops out on you on film as well. Um, but they're fast. They're physical. You know, defensively, um, it's to date, probably the best defensive line we'll see. You know, linebacking core to this, you know, to this date, to this game, um, secondary-wise, the same thing. Mm-hmm. You know, they have some really good players. Now they have a couple young kids. They yeah. have a freshman playing corner, mm-hmm. you know. Um, and I don't ever get into, you know, this this kid or this kid or this kid is going to guard you. Or, you know, you can kind of yeah. be hypothetical about that with your players. But at the end of the day, you teach a lot of technique. I feel like this is going to be something really good. You know, do your job. Um, you know, this is no different than either team because that's the way that you have to coach every single week. Um, they're good. They're very, very good. You know, secondary-wise, you have a couple big-time players, a big-time safety, number two. But, you know, this past game, they played – they took both of their safeties and played them a lot of corner. Mm-hmm. And they took their young guys and played them a lot of safety. I think it was because of the – because of the perimeter guys they were playing against that were good. When at the same time earlier in the season, they played a couple of really good teams that played really, really soft uh, in the secondary coverage, like cover three. Cover three, kind of a three match type of deal as well, only they were doing it from like 10 yards. Um, and this past game, the corners, which they you know were their actual safeties playing corner, they were up, they were up playing three or four yards off. They hadn't done that yet, mm-hmm. you know. Um, so uh, we we go just like any game, we go into it and we prepare our kids for what we have on film. But until we roll out there, you don't know, especially with this team. They played a lot of cover zero, a lot of cover one. Mm-hmm. 
Mm-hmm. I've seen them play uh, two high safeties and man underneath, you know, for a few snaps. But um, you know, they have the guys that they think they can they can man you up, make you play, and they have a really physical, big and fast defensive line and linebackers. You know, they can run you down, and they have a lot of good makeup speed. So you know we <clears throat> we are going into it the same mentality that we've had offensively that we're still gonna go and punch you in the mouth mm-hmm. and do it for four quarters and continue to punch you in the mouth. Just to paint a picture a little more for everybody else at home, mm-hmm. offensively they kind of run like a, a lot of spread, mm-hmm. two back looks. Yep. Um, I know Moore said on Monday it's very like very college looking offense. Yep. Um, you know, they'll go run game, zone, some kind of gap scheme, power, counter. It Quarterback runs a lot. It More option than called QB run? I'm not sure on that. You know, I, I, <clears throat> I, I, I break it down, you know, a little bit defensively during the week because yeah. I'm, you know, I'm watching their defense. I watch mm-hmm. a little bit of their offense. But, you know, one thing I have seen is, you know, that quarterback runs. Yeah. I think some of it is called. Just, yep. but as an overall thing, it more struck me as say a zone read than mm-hmm. uh, quarterback power. Yeah, know, yeah, yeah, stuff like that. Yes. Uh, defensively, they kind of base out of a three-three stack, right? Where they played stack, we feel like we're gonna see that fifty front mm-hmm. and bear. Yeah. We feel like we're going to see Bear front. They played a lot of that as well. And, again, we touched on Bear before. That's, you know, you got your center covered head up, both guards covered, and usually both tackles covered as well. Mm-hmm. Um, they have two inside backers that are really good, have some offers to places. Um, and their DBs, usually, you know, when you say defensive back, you have corners and you have safeties. With these guys, what Moore's explaining on Monday, that it's just like a collection of defensive backs Mm -hmm. that they'll just kind of take their best matchup, Mm -hmm. put those guys on those guys, and play everybody else where they need to play. Yes. So, you know, that's just something, again, we haven't really seen before. Uh, On film, they played a lot of, like, cover one, off man, which, I mean, like, Glen Oak really sticks out in my mind as... When they played Whitmer, they had their corners playing 10 yards off. Mm-hmm. And I know that's more a zone cover three type defense, but when they came in and played us, they were like six, seven yard depth at mm-hmm. max. You know, yeah. so it, that, that's another thing. Like, you don't know what you're going to walk in and see. Yeah. So, uh, I mean, I'm sure we have, we've shown before we've played some man teams that, you know, we have different ways to attack man coverage. You've got bunch sets, you've got rubber outs, switch routes, all, all that kind of stuff. And I, I'm sure we have different ways to attack it, right? Yes. And kind of touching on a couple of different questions here we've gotten on our Twitter page. We've been pretty vanilla offensive-wise. I'd say we're halfway down page two of the playbook. I mean, do you expect us to, like, kind of open it up more off-rip or, like, you know, run what we run, see how they defend it, and then go from there? You know, we don't view it as being vanilla. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, real quick, though, I, I say that kind of in jest, you know. That it's no, I know. More, you know. No, it's fine. Um, I know it's if a, you can run your base stuff. I know it's a Twitter question and, you yeah. know, everything else like that, but. Really, 
you know, what we've tried to do is we're, we're a big formation team and we feel like we can put guys anywhere mm-hmm. with our personnel. Um, the toughest teams, you know, me growing up coaching and doing all this, the toughest teams to, to prepare for are the teams that run there and can execute those simple plays that, you know, don't look flashy or anything like that out of multiple formations and multiple looks, whether it's a tight end, whether it's no tight end, you know, that's what we try to do. You want to, you, you want to do what you're good at. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. Um, I know that someone said, well, we got to put this guy, why, why aren't we getting him the ball more creative ways? Well, I, 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 part of me doesn't know what that means, mm-hmm. especially after the game. Like someone asked me about, someone asked me about Ballard. It's like, he just had like 160 yards receiving. You know, it, it, it wasn't it wasn't mind blowing routes or concepts that we were calling. We executed those things, you know, because when we go, we look at it on paper and we execute it in practice. That's what you have to do. Um, we've actually run a lot of different things, a lot of different things. But you better be good at running the stuff that you think you're good at, mm-hmm. and. You know, a lot of our when I, our pass concepts, and I'm not talking about like four verticals. A lot of our pass concepts, we run that versus multiple looks in like the secondary, and we feel that we're comfortable running those things against multiple looks because we rep it against multiple looks. And sometimes those routes adjust based on the question you asked earlier about coverage and the guys adjust their route. Yes, yes. I mean, we run those things. Because we feel like it covers all, you know, some of our, some of our rock concepts, it covers any, any type of coverage quarterback recognizes it and we have to adjust to it, you know, with what they're doing in the secondary run game wise, we've run a lot, mm-hmm. you know, we've yeah. run a lot and yeah. you know, with the looks that we've gotten, you have to, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. We've adjusted a lot of stuff, you know, throughout a game, throughout a week, and those guys do a great job of it. Um, well, I mean, I don't know. We'll, like, we, we, we obviously still have, I guess, to that question, you know, stuff in the playbook mm-hmm. that we rep. We rep a lot of stuff during the week that, yeah. you know, we don't call Friday because mm-hmm. it's a feel. You know what I mean? It's a feel in the game. And all of our coaches know, especially on the offensive side of the ball, me included, that no matter what, you have to establish a run game. That helps you out defensively. That helps you out later on in the game. You know what I mean? And, I mean, I love it. I love it. Hell. Oh, yeah. Hey, we're calling power. <laughs> you know, someone asked me, my buddies asked me every week, hey, what, what are you guys going to you guys do anything different this week? I said, I don't know. We have this run play called power, and <laughs> they we're definitely going to run that. Yeah. You know? And, and all of our runs – adjust to fronts as well Mm -hmm. you know what i mean it's about executing those things what are seem like simple things or or non-flashy things you execute your stuff versus multiple looks you know and you execute it um with brutality is what you try to preach you try to do and you know from like an x's no perspective Mm -hmm. honestly our offense is kind of boring to watch because we just run the same thing over and over again 
But from, like you said, that brutality perspective, just from watching like a like a backyard knockout fight, mm-hmm. the fact that we can keep running the same play over and over again mm-hmm. and average five yards a carry like mm-hmm. we went in, in depth with last week, it's exciting. I love yeah. it. it. You know, it's like watching a heavyweight fight. You, yeah. know, you got Montclair running cover zero from our own 40 at, where they have a plus two in the run game and we're still running power and getting mm-hmm. yards on that. I love it. Mm-hmm. it. Football doesn't get much better than that. No. No. Um, I, I describe our offense as brutal up front and vertical on the back end. Yeah. You know? And um, and that I think that was another thing I touched on. Our passing game has more evolved to a big shot, you know, kind of more mm-hmm. high-risk, high-reward type plays because we don't need the intermediate passing game to supplement a run game. Because the run game's there. If you're averaging five yards a run on power, you're doing something very, very right. Mm-hmm. And the other thing that, you know, it might as well be a handoff is that little tag screen we throw out there. Yeah. That's another thing. With the exception of the St. V's game where they had a specific plan to stop that, mm-hmm. and I think that was it. I, I think we touched on that. They I played that very well. Better than anyone else. Yeah. Um, and now we have answers off of that, and that makes you a better offense when you look that on film, and then you develop more stuff off of that. Good mm-hmm. teams do that to you. Um, that right there could be counted as intermediate pass game because there's some games we're average like ten yards a pop on that. Yeah, because it's off the run. You know, mm-hmm. he reads it how he reads it, and then we go from there. And that was the thing I think we we talked about earlier in the year, like you said. Last season, we had like some 230-some dropbacks with uh, only a handful of – or 230-some passes with mm-hmm. a handful of sacks. Mm-hmm. You know, how many of those are actually dropbacks versus just throwing that quick screen mm-hmm. off the off the power, you know? Yeah. And that's something that, I like you said, I consider that more part of the run game than the intermediate passing game. The way we rep it so much, it, it should be like a handoff Yeah, is what we, is what we talk about. Mm. So – Here's an offensive question for mm-hmm. you. Um, so when you're going against a team like East St. Louis, for example, that has a high-powered offense, mm-hmm. at what point, or if ever, do you change your offensive scheme based off of what the other team has offensively? I mean, do you still work with what the defense gives you? Obviously, you want to control the line of scrimmage. You want to score more points than the other team. But do you ever get to the point where you really want to hold on to the ball eat up clock time of possession or i mean are we obviously you don't don't want to change up too much but i mean that's a that's a game to game feel um you know it's a game to game feel i felt that i think i said in the booster club meeting ever since mcconnell came on board Mm -hmm. that this is the first defensive coordinator since since luke durbin that we feel like we just call our game because, you know, they, they do such a good job on the other side of the ball. Um, I think that what you're asking is a feel. We don't go into it. We haven't at all this year. Oh, okay, well, this is, this is you know, they have this player over there. They have this player over there. We're going we're gonna to have to hold on to the ball and milk clock. Uh-uh. No. Um, we go into it and we say, what do we like? We're going to call our offense. And we're going to call our game. You know, because... Even if adversity happens and maybe something's not working right, we're going to figure it out and try to execute that. Um, I can say 
that last year's McKinley game that we definitely went into it with that plan. Now, mm-hmm. I, I think that that was the smart thing to do. I think we had the ball for like 31 minutes. It was something. It was something ridiculous. Yeah. And guess what? You know, we had on paper, we had no business being in that game. No business. They had like 30 seniors. They had all these dudes. Mm-hmm. And we had this team that had gradually gotten better. But we felt that, you know, that year, last year in that game, okay, let's put a tight end in. Haven't had a tight end all year. Yeah. And let's screw some stuff up for them and let's take our shots when we take our shots. Um, I felt that way going to the, I think we all did. And I uh, ended up working out for us. I think I, I can pull up that example. Uh, that's not the that's not the case this year. That's not the case this week. You know we're we're calling our game. You know what I mean. But I, I, as the game goes along, that's a feel thing. And McKinley game had that been different, maybe some things would have gone their way a couple times. You know maybe we call that a little bit different. But mm-hmm. again, that changed as the game went on. Hey, we're still pounding the rock, still pounding the rock. So we're taking a shot here, taking a shot there. Yeah, it's a feel thing for us. For Coach Troxler and Coach Mazer. Yeah. I mean, that's all I got. You got more in depth than I could ever ask for. Uh, real one more quick listener kind of thing I wanted to touch on about us being creative mm-hmm. that I just noticed in the uh, in the fish game in particular. Like, and even earlier we touched on like you know you a team plays cover three against us you want to attack the seams on it just how we can put Trey and Ballard, our two best receivers, in the seams and run vertical and attack that. It, we don't have anything to worry about, in my opinion, as a fan, being creative, attacking teams the way we should. And mm-hmm. I'm sure you know more about that than I do. Us being creative at the end of the day is, what is our answer? You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Um, that's, a, that's the word I was looking for. What is our answer? Thank you. The thing that when this offense was 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 put together, you know, this offseason, because we meet, like, <clears throat> you wouldn't even know. <laughs> and, but that's because it's always on our mind. You know, how do we get better? One of the things that we really focused on, and, you know, thankfully our kids working hard, practicing well and everything, you know, it's come to fruition every game so far. You know, is how do we build in answers within our offense that we can rep all summer, that we can rep as we go into it, and that we have in our back pocket, say we go away from it for a few weeks, Mm -hmm. say we haven't had to use it, that we know that we rep this in the preseason and that this is exactly why we put this in. Um, It's more of answers. You know, whether it's a formation answer, yeah. maybe it's a blocking scheme answer, or maybe it's a, you know, a pass concept answer or anything like that. You know, what answers do we have built in? You know, what do we, what do we bring to the table that week? And how, what can we bring up at halftime? Say, okay, hey, they're playing us this way. Let's do it this way. Okay, I mean, I think that we have a lot of answers built in. And also, the way film is now mm-hmm. during the game, I mean, we have a TV on the sideline. We uh, get to watch every single play. Yeah. You know, that's huge. And every team has the capabilities to do that as long as they have the equipment and stuff. And a lot of teams do it. Um, that's huge as well in terms of in game adjustments because defensive staff uses like the iPads up top. 
mm-hmm. and Coach McConnell's up there, they'll be sitting there watching while we're on offense. You know, what What do we have to come back with? You know, what do we like here uh, going in? So, uh, you know, it's just built-in answers, I feel like. Yeah, to, uh, to touch on that, I mean, obviously the in-game adjustments are huge uh, for us specifically, but seeing different types of defenses all year long and then seeing different variations of it. You know, we've touched on it about how every team will do something a little bit different against us. Uh, as the year goes on, how beneficial is that to the players and the coaching staff just being able to see so many different things? I think it's huge because, you know, as coaches, once you once you see so much, well, then what's something that we can reference that's already happened on film? What's something that we can go back and look at? Hey, this worked really well. One of the things that we do, you know, as an offensive staff, I think they do a defensive staff. I'm not going to speak for them, but we have notes and a page of stuff that we go over that worked in that game, and then we put it away. Mm-hmm. And then next off season, when we go and we do pre-scouting stuff, Coach Moore has us go through games and put together a game plan in the off season, and we sit and meet about it, and watch film. Leading up to this, you know, well, I want you to prep these five games. I want you to watch film, and I want you to have your answer sheet when we meet, and then you're going to add notes leading up to it, and then we go over that. So it's, it's, I don't know, some people may think that's overkill. We think it's the right way to do things, that you're prepped for that. Hey, what did we say in February when we met about Fitch? What did we say worked well? What did we say that didn't work and that we want to improve on? Um, you know, let's go back to that and let's pull up that film and let's just, you know, have it on paper. So when it's time, guess what? Pull that out, take a look at it. Say, okay, this is the direction that we're going because we've already discussed this. Sometimes you don't even need to pull it out because you've already, Mm -hmm. you already have it in your mind, what you think is good. Um, I think I got off your question, but no, I mean, that definitely tied into it. Uh, I mean, to go along with what you just said not even team specific but scheme specific i, I mean, think it's really okay i think it's really beneficial because then your kids see it mm-hmm. you know what i mean at the end of the day i can see whatever i want i'm a coach mm-hmm. you've been you doing this your, longer than they have you you got your dudes out in the field yeah you know what i mean they have to see it mm-hmm. you know what i mean that's what so, and that's i love coaching you know for multiple reasons that's one of them, when a light bulb goes off and they come back and tell you what they what they think. Like I had my first one with my seven year old son, he plays flag football, and I didn't coach him. I didn't coach him. I just watched every game. He's a big lineman. He's like pancaking pancaking kids in flag football. It's hilarious. But I asked him after the game, I said, Why didn't you block this guy when I was watching plays? You know, it's like a rugby scrum, seven years old. Mm-hmm. And he goes, Well, we were running the play this way. And I know so-and-so who was, like, stacked behind him was pulled the flag, like, ten times, so I just went after him. You know what I mean? Like like little things like that, mm-hmm. yeah. that kids come off, well, he played me this way, so I did this. I think that happens across the board. You know, they showed this, and I remember. I remember you told me. You know what I mean? So I think it's really beneficial when you see so many things. It makes you, as a coach, come up with more answers, too. You yeah. know? And on that point, I mean, I think our defense has done that too. You know, mm-hmm. like us seeing five wide in the playoffs one week to, to 
a wing T kind of thing the next week yep. that's given us answers, like especially opening up with St. V that not that I recall seeing it that they had ever put five white on film, but then coming out and it seemed like us having different answers for that. Yep. That was a big thing. Yep. You know? And I mean, we've talked schematics, football to death. I love it. I could eat the stuff up. I, we could go on for another hour, but I think we're close to our limit anyway. Mm-hmm. So let's get into a, you know, a, a more lighter part of the podcast where we, uh, where we just kind of get to know, uh, coach Kale Miller a little more. And this is something I think we're, we want to do with all our guests, you know, just some rapid fire questions where you have, you know, no time to think of it. So, uh, Rob, why don't you start us off? All right. Yeah, I wish we had more questions, but this was kind of a, a last minute yeah. thing. Uh, so I'll start. We'll just go back and forth with questions. Yep. You know, answer them as quickly as you can. We're trying to we're trying to put you on the spot here. Uh-huh. Uh, so obviously, you know, coach here has never heard any of these questions, not from us at least. So uh, we're just going to go back and forth. Some of them are funny. Some of them are, you know, just not football related whatsoever. So let's just see what you come up with. Unfortunately, okay? all are PG-13. So, you know. <laughs> <laughs> all right. Ready? Here we go. Who's your favorite superhero? Superman. All right. Favorite pump-up song? Um, Eminem, uh, Till I Collapse. Nice. Classic. Uh, what TV sitcom family, past or present, could you, sell, could you see yourself being a part of? Seinfeld. Seinfeld, got it. <laughs> Love it. Favorite hobby? Fishing. Yep. How do you like your steak cooked? Medium rare. That boy. Favorite movie? Uh, Goodfellas. Would you rather always have your shirts be two sizes too large or one size too small? One size too small. All right. Three words to describe yourself. Oh, man. Um, take, big, take, take. big nose. Um, funny. Um, stupid. <laughs> Love it. <laughs> uh, who on the coaching staff would win in a foot race? What do you mean? You line up everybody on the coach's staff on the goal line. Who wins in a race running? Uh, because he's he's young and he's a millennial, uh, Eric Copeland or Spencer Lino. <laughs> all right. Uh, all right. They make a movie about your life. Who plays you? Nicholas Cage. <laughs> I kind of see it now. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. Is a hot dog a sandwich? No. <laughs> all right. Dead or alive, one person you'd like to sit down and have a beer with? Uh, I'd have a coffee with Hulk Hogan. <laughs> All right, brother. <laughs> How many chickens would it take to beat an elephant in a fight? <laughs> what? This is supposed to be quick, Kale. Yeah, I know. Uh, <laughs> 200. All right. Most ridiculous or out there conspiracy theory that you believe in? <laughs> uh coach troxler says in um i don't know anson county or something down south that there's a lizard man and that it eats the chrome off of cars and bumpers i believe that never heard I, that never heard I, that, did you I, 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 nope <laughs> does the to- does the toilet paper roll go over or under over Yes, I think over. Yes, it comes down, that's flows the, down. That's the wrong yes. answer. Thank but, you. Okay. Suck it, Rob. That's fine. Quit Whatever. doing that to my toilet paper. Damn it! <laughs> <laughs> All 
All right, I mean, that, that's that's wasn't too bad. I, mean. I hope. No, yeah. that's pretty good. I liked it. Okay. You know, I think our uh, our listeners got a better picture of Kale Miller. That's a chicken question. What is that? <laughs> Where is that from? I don't know, but I mean, you think two hundred chickens will beat an elephant? Sure. So we should try it. Why not? Two <laughs> hundred. I take that. It's I pretty close. It. Huh? Yeah. All right. Uh, so this is it for the Blackstorm Podcast and uh, for week seven. Uh, Kale Miller. Hey. Love appreciate having it. you here. Yeah, yeah appreciate uh, it. You're love welcome, being here. Welcome back anytime. And as the rest of coaching staff or anybody else who wants to come on, within reason. Mm-hmm. Uh, within reason, for sure. And uh, beat East St. Louis, huh? Beat East St. Louis. Go Tigers.